Hello, friends. Welcome back to Meg Loving Inside Out. This is episode two of our series on marriage. Advice for singles. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 18, verse 22. There is a lot to get into here. The process of finding a spouse has been the study of many, many humans throughout all of history. So I'm going to attempt my version. uh, (laughs) And I appreciate your patience with its inevitable incompleteness. So first of all, I think in order to find a spouse, we need to start by actually forgiving culture for making it that much harder for us. Uh, Feminism has lied to women, uh, and rom-coms and porn have lied to both men and women about what finding a spouse is supposed to look like, and we need to walk into this hunt, uh, because it is indeed a hunt, with forgiveness for (laughs) the cards being stacked against us. Now, um, many of you may know my story. I got married at 30, and I am now 35. And uh, if I could go back, I don't know that I would have waited so long. But at the same time, God didn't bring my husband to me until I was 28. So there was only so much I could do to speed it up. Um... And the process was what, for me, was what it was supposed to be. Um, In hindsight, (laughs) please have kids as soon as you can. Like, it is going to be so hard for me, and I am pretty intimidated about the process. Uh, And the point of marriage is actually, part of the point, you know, is to enjoy each other's company um, and also reproduce the human species. So kids is an important part, but uh, that... I can't really help you with any advice for that because I don't have any. So back to finding a spouse, um, my number one piece of advice to begin would be to get in community. How can you serve your community? Who can you learn from? And both of these aspects are very important. Number one, servanthood is a very, very important part of marriage for both the husband and the wife. Um, Scripture tells us that the husband should serve the wife like Christ served the church, which is an impossible standard. And women are to serve their husbands with the archetype example of Proverbs 31, which is only slightly more realistic of an impossible standard. So, um servanthood and developing the heart attitude is absolutely essential. Number one, paramount, of utmost importance. Um, And if you learn to serve your community and do that sustainably, over-empathetic givers who forget to take care of themselves, I'm looking at you, uh, as you learn to care for others sustainably, you will learn how to be in a marriage and care for yourself and then care for your spouse and your children because 
surprise, surprise, once you get into a marriage, you know, you are still responsible for taking care of certain elements of yourself. Uh, (laughs) Hygiene, vitamins, you know, it is not my husband's responsibility that I cook food and eat it from myself when he is at work. That's, that would him being a parent, that would be him being a parent to me and I am an adult and I need to be responsible for taking care of myself in this area. So, uh, self-care doesn't leave just because you get married and you have someone else, um, who has the opportunity to care for you with you. Um, and if anything, it's very important that you are even better at caring for yourself. Um, so then both of you can really hone in and specialize on whatever element of (laughs) survival of a human species you're focusing on, uh, in in general men focus on women focus on cooking but there are lots of men who are great cooks um but uh it having a mindset of servanthood and there is no task that is beneath me is extremely helpful in going into marriage uh, the second question about getting into community who can i learn from uh if you are looking for ways you can serve people you will inevitably find opportunities to learn from those who know more than you. And this is extremely important because these people will become your mentors and your mentors will become the people who vet your future spouse with you if you let them, if you bring them in on the process. To clarify, even though I met Ben on the internet... Um, I had mentors in my life, in real life, and as soon as I realized that Ben was a viable candidate for marriage, I, I, I took my one mentor out to lunch and I told her everything I knew about Ben from the beginning to the present, and I was very optimistic, and therefore she was very optimistic, and she liked everything I had to say about him, and she met him when he picked me up in Florida or once after we became engaged and um, gave us her blessing. So um, getting the external opinion of your mentors is very helpful and very confidence building. Uh, you do not, <laughs> contrary to what Disney tells you, you don't want to go into this without the advice of the people who are going to help you once you're going to get married. Like, this is not an us against them, two people against the world kind of thing. No, this is, you can have a great marriage, but if it's the two of you against the world, I seriously question if you're going to have a fantastic marriage. Um, Because marriage is enriched by the community that it is a part of. So, um, Having mentors in your life can also be very helpful because, to quote one of my my guy friends and my, my mentors back in the day, not for you, Meg. That guy is not for you. <laughs> um, and I heard that from him on one individual and I heard something similar from my dad about another individual and having that veto of confidence... <laughs> really helped me let go of 
man, there's too many single guys in the world. I wish I could help. Um, yeah, but not those single guys that, (sighs) and even as I say this, I feel bad for the single men who are listening, who you feel like it's always them and it's never me. And why am I never good enough? And it's like, I don't know. I can't help you. I am, I don't know your life story. I'm the other side of a podcast. Um, but in this instance, um, it is the responsibility of the women folk, um, guided by their, in an ideal scenario, guided by their parents, um, or in a healthy ideal scenario, guided by their mentors within their community. It is the responsibility of a woman folk to say, my standard for marrying a man is X, Y, Z. And, you know, that raises the bar and, Young men need goals to aspire to. That is, that's important. Now, let's say that you are evaluating someone as a potential spouse and you are in that very delicate evaluation period. Maybe you are in mutual like. Um, So one, I've mentioned we're never promised a Disney rom-com. Uh, I've mentioned get input from your community, and it's very important to go in with your eyes open. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do um, is actually to fast and pray for wisdom. And, you know, we are not promised (laughs) uh, to to reference uh, The Little Mermaid, we're not promised a random red crab who's going to come up on shore and tell us to kiss the girl. Like, that level of clarity is nowhere in scripture. Nowhere. Um, But fasting and praying for wisdom can give you a lot of clarity as far as um, I have a lot of peace about this person or I don't have peace about this person. I fasted and I've prayed and everything looks okay, but something feels off. And on one hand, maybe that's your fear of marriage. Maybe that's a trigger um, that you need to work through. Maybe your fasting and praying needs to give you clarity on what to be worried about and what not to be worried about. Um, But if you fast and pray, and specifically fasting means that you take a break from Anything that gives you dopamine, (laughs) which is a a lovely broad definition that could include a lot of things. You could fast from video games for a week. Uh, You could fast from uh, sugar or dessert. Or if you wanted to go really hard, you could fast from a single meal and, you know, have breakfast the next day. Or, I mean, I did do one fast that was a week long. Um... I have relatively low body weight, so that is not recommended for everyone, especially if you're doing physical labor and you're working and you have external commitments that you need to keep up to people in order to live. Uh, Don't jeopardize your ability to uh, meet your commitments. But, uh, you know, fast and pray over, God, I need clarity. Is this person for me? And do that before you even start getting into... Uh, the delirious happy place of mutual like because it's a lot easier to say no before you've opened your mouth 
and initiated a conversation uh, than it is to backtrack after there's already feelings involved and all the things that come with that. Um, yeah. And the the feelings and the vulnerability are inevitable. Uh, you You have to be vulnerable uh, in order to have a conversation with someone. Uh, you know, this is not <laughs> this is not an exchange of cucumbers at the farmer's market. This is I am debating on if I would like to spend the rest of my mer- existence with you in sickness and in health in good times and in bad times. Um and uh Ben and I were sick for about a week and a half here and uh I'm just now getting over it as I'm recording this and I've barely seen another soul for the past week and a half and um let me tell you something I'm very grateful for the husband that I have uh because if you're going to be sick and stare at somebody else for a week and a half uh you want to be someone of good character, someone that you trust, um, and not just trust in a lovey-dovey way, but, like, trust with your bank password kind of way, um, yeah, so, um, fast and pray for wisdom, I don't think there's really any substitute for that, uh, but go in with your eyes open, and something to be very aware of is, okay, do we share the same faith? Okay, yes, maybe we're both Christians, but are we are we on the same level of faith? And um, one of the things that was really important to me was that my husband and I uh, had a certain agreement on end times doctrine. And, uh, I do not believe in escapism. (laughs) I do not believe in, uh, that the end of the world will be a quick and easy, fun time. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a pre-trib rapture person. I'm a, a pre-wrath rapture first in person, which implies that I believe in a, uh, a tribulation and then a rapture. And the whole post-mill and pre-mill and ah-mill, I don't understand that either. But Ben, agreeably enough, is pan-mill, which basically means he believes it's all going to pan out. And so um, it was very important to me. Like, yes, there were other Christians who potentially would have made great spouses, but they weren't for me. And one of the things that was important to me was that Ben was not an escapist in his end times doctrine. And so it is important for you that you know what uh, what those non-negotiables are. Like, I was able to faithfully attend churches that had pre-trib doctrine. And that was not a problem. But to marry someone and to make decisions about the future together inevitably your end times doctrine will inform that so i'm sharing my conviction 
It does not have to be yours. Uh, you know, that was a non-negotiable for me, but I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, who God wants to have with you. Maybe, maybe God brings you someone where everything else is there and this is an area where you disagree. Well, if God is giving you peace and direction and green lights from your community and, you know, everything else seems to be lining up and you have similar goals for how many kids you want to have, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Do you want to, um, live in the suburbs? Do you want to go homestead style? Um, you know, how, how many kids do you want to have? Do you want to leave that open-ended? Um, if those things are all lining up and maybe you don't agree on this thing, but it's not important to you, move forward, move forward, like walk in faith and, um, you know, just make the most of every opportunity to get on the same page and, uh, uh, don't die on any hills that aren't worth dying on. Um, yeah. Even if Ben and I disagreed on end times doctrine, we would still be very thoughtful about, okay, what house should we buy? Where should we live? What job should we take? That sort of thing. What community should we invest in? So, um, knowing what your faith and your faith convictions are, um, is very important. So, um, when you know, commit. And yes, commitment is actually the scariest thing in the world. Forget horror movies. Commitment is terrifying. And for those of you who have gone through really messed up families and have seen divorce maybe multiple times, this can be particularly terrifying. And I do not want to minimize that. However, if you are meant to move forward with someone, God is going to give you enough peace to walk forward. He will give you a spouse who is willing to work through your fears with you. And um, I referenced in my previous marriage podcast, you know, hey, Ben, this thing hurt because of this thing in our history. Well, sometimes y'all are going to have to have conversations where you say, this thing hurt because it's reminding me of something in my history that you're not responsible for but it's still affecting my interpretation of the situation. And if you've had a lot of relationships, if you've had exes, if you have, you know, messy family situations, you need a partner who's going to be patient with you and walking into that. And it is possible. I have a friend right now who is in a relationship with someone and he is the most patient soul. And it is continually blowing her mind um, how much he wants to commit to her and all of the things that come along with her history. So, um, yes, commitment is scary, but it's also worth it. Because once you have commitment, you don't have pretend commitment. You're not playing house 
and playing pretend on a on a relationship that could end at any moment with somebody saying, you know what, I'm done. Like, when you go into fights with someone or strong disagreements, when you are bored in your relationship, which, let me tell you people, it does happen. Ben and I have one of the most romantic stories in the world. And we still have moments where we just get bored with each other. We don't have anything to talk about. That doesn't mean our relationship is bad. It just means maybe we're both tired. Maybe there just isn't any intellectual stimulation ha- stimulation happening right now. Like, that happens. Um, you know, when you have very strong disagreements and you're so angry that you just want to throttle the other person, which happens as well, um, hopefully less likely than the other, um, you know, you need to know that your commitment to that person means something. You know, Ben and I reference our wedding rings regularly, and I'm like, do you see this ring? This ring is a promise. (laughs) The irony is that I'm recording this and I don't have it on, but for theoretical sake, let's say I'm, you're looking at this beautiful, skinny, one millimeter band of gold on my left hand. Um, we reference our promise regularly. Um, and something else important, and this is going to p- depend on your community. Um, ben and I attend a, a church that has a board of elders and those elders are called the session. And if we have a disagreement on something that we feel very strongly about many times, and it's sometimes it's in jest, but most of the time we're actually, there's a, a, there's a serious, uh, threat behind it. There's a weight that comes with it. We will joke with each other. If you do X, Y, Z, I will take you before the elders. And having the men in our community of our church who have made a commitment to our church and and lead the people and be that external uh, representation, uh, you know, the patriarchy, (laughs) being the godly example of patriarchy, um, having them to reference in our relationship is very helpful. Um, Honestly, it would help so many marriages if they had a group of men in their church to say, "Listen, if if you if 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 you push the envelope on this, I'm going to take you in front of the board of sesh, of of elders, and we will have a conversation, and we will get them to help us." Um, and you know, having that threat of external accountability. <laughs> It keeps everybody playing very nicely with each other. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I say all this in, in, um, thinking of the times that we've said it to each other amusingly, but at the same time, there's a time and a place for that, and it's actually very serious, and, um, I think a lot of divorce would be prevented if people had 
a group of patriarchs in their church that they could go in front of and say, we need advice, we need you to tell us what to do, we are, we both feel very strongly about this, and we need wisdom, and, (sighs) yeah, so find you a board of elders, you, your marriage will be so much better if you have that going in. Something else that's very important to mention as part of the search process is sexual attraction. You should physically desire your spouse. Ladies, when you marry a man, and I'm going to paraphrase some advice I heard from somebody else, keep their stomach full and their balls empty. Now, I realize if you've got sexual trauma, that's a really heavy thing to deal with, but you are committing sexually to this person you need to be sexually interested in them um and sometimes you can move forward in faith that god will give you that attraction um but in general you kind of want to go in knowing that it's there and ben's hesitancy in our long distance relationship was wondering if it was there and he visited my family and met me for the first time and within 24 hours he knew that we had attraction and the spark was there and he very shortly asked me how how soon can you move to Alabama and uh that that was that was the path forward so um With sexual attraction also comes this very delicate uh, middle phase of we are in relationship with each other, but we are not married to each other, therefore we can't have sex yet. (laughs) And that engagement season uh, is a very important season, and it's about building trust. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you pressure your fiancé, to have sex with you before you get married or you are allowing yourself to be in situations where you do not have enough external accountability and you are alone in private um you are (laughs) you are tempting fate and um this engagement season is when you are building trust for your future. You are never going to have this opportunity quite like it again. Now, granted, yes, you can rebuild trust once you get married, but everything that you put in in the engagement phase, I don't know how to explain this, and this is not a mathematical formula, but functionally, it's worth double. It's worth double in building trust for the future, if not two or three times three or four times as much. So build that trust and get through the engagement phase. You know, do not fall into the idolatry of a Pinterest wedding. You know, just get down the aisle. Just just get there. Just get married. There are many wonderful marriages who have stood the test of time that had very, very simple ceremonies. And I wish that we could go back 
to a few hundred dollar ceremony. Also, the price of money was different back then, but that is an economic discussion, and we're talking about marriage here. Um, Also, um, you should be fiscally responsible. Uh, Try to try to be out as debt. (laughs) Words are hard. Try to be as out of debt as you possibly can be. Um, You know, obviously don't starve yourself for that. Um, And we're in very interesting economic times. Um, But um, do the best you can. Be as responsible as you can where you are with the circumstances that you've been given. Um, And that really goes, ties into my last point. You know, if there is nobody on the horizon and it is just you and God and whatever community situation you do or don't have, be diligent. What does God want you to learn or do in this season that will enrich your future? You know, what life skill can you develop that, you know, you can bring to the marketplace and earn a living? Um, what, what, what can you learn? What can you do? You know, this is a really special time. I got a lot of creativity in in my 20s. And, um, I'm very grateful for that. Um, you know, I, I've said, I, I wish I could have had kids sooner than 35, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still grateful for my little creative projects and, you know, they're my creative children in a sense. (laughs) They're the, they're the children of my twenties. So, um, really focus on getting good at being single, being very professional about being single. Um, if God leads you to get a dating profile, um, and obviously choose what app with wisdom, um, you know, be clear about your interests. You know, ladies, a criticism that I hear from the single dudes is they don't know what you like to do. Oh, I want a godly man who loves Jesus. I am a Christian. Yes. Do you like hiking? Do you like air conditioning? Do you like watching movies? What kinds of movies? Do you like horror? Do you not like horror? It's a very important differential, I actually think. Um, Make sure to list your interests. Do you like craft projects? List out the things that even though he probably will not be interested in, List out the things that he can expect to spend money on and hear you ramble about passionately. (laughs) Um, Men need to know what you like. It is important. (laughs) You have more personality than just, I love Jesus. Yes, that's great. Now beautify the earth. What does that look like to you? Do you want a homestead? Do you love collecting ceramics? Do you want to live in a city? Do you want to travel? We talked about this last episode. Staycationers and travel bloggers should not get married unless they have such strong other external goals that they things they want to do together that that brings them together. And both of them sacrifice a little bit on the staycation and a little bit on the travel. So, 
list your interests. It's very important. Honestly, if I could go back into my 20s, I would really push myself to get better at cooking, to get better at caring for myself and being a better homemaker. Um, I did the best I could. I worked on what I was motivated on, which was (laughs) creativity and vlogs and dance films. And I'm glad I have that to show, but also it really would have blessed my husband if I'd had more skill to bring into our marriage. So you have an opportunity to invest in yourself and make yourself as desirable as possible. Um, You know, there is a place for skincare. There is a place for learning how to do your hair in a way that is beautiful and pleasing. And um, that's important. That's another part of making your, your corner of the world beautiful is presenting yourself to the world in a way that celebrates the beauty that God has placed in you. So it is all connected. Um, Working out sounds great. Gentlemen, get some muscle in your bones. That would be lovely. Um, And make sure to stretch out and get lots of flexibility while you're at it because that is key to preventing injury. And the more healthy both of you are, the easier time you will have doing home repairs, chasing around kids, all of the things. Um, physical intimacy, we'll talk about that here soon. So, um, the last thing that I want to say in this podcast is learn about covenants. And for your homework, I have a video to recommend. So, this is a one-hour sermon from uh, R.C. Sproul. And uh, Dr. Sproul has since uh, passed on to be with the Lord, um, which on one hand is very sad, and on the other hand is very joyous because my favorite kind of theologian to recommend are dead theologians, people who are already with Jesus, and they can't sin anymore. (laughs) Um, Their legacy is complete. And R.C. Sproul loved Jesus, and he loved God's word. Um, His, my parents gave me a Reformation study Bible when I was 17 years old that I still have to this day. I'm looking at it as I record this podcast. And his impact on my faith is very deep, very profound. And his love for God's word was sincere. Um... Now, he, Ligonier is his ministry, and um, they are continually uploading more and more sermons. And the one that I would like for you to listen to is about covenants. Understanding the biblical history of the word covenant and what it means. Um, This was an Old Testament contract, but God's covenants to us are a little bit different than just standard contracts. And one of the things I love about R.C. Sproul's teaching style is he is a theologian and he will occasionally use big words, but then he'll slow down and he'll explain them. He will define his words and he will bring it back to the accessibility of just normal people, you and me. And, um, 
the only Greek that I know comes from the teaching of faithful pastors throughout all of my sermon listening time. And um, R.C. Sproul is a trustworthy pastor to listen to. Um, He has passed on to be with the Lord and his legacy is faithful. Um, You know, nothing has come up in the past five years, five, six years since he's been gone. So strongly, strongly recommend him. Um, Now, he and I differ on doctrine a little bit. Uh, I'm not an infant baptism person, uh, which he is, but that's that's kind of a minor thing, and uh, that that might be uh, that's a that's a personal conviction thing that does not invalidate um, the gospel or the word of God, and uh, yeah. So uh, that is your homework to click through the link in the description, learn about covenants, and um, be fasting and praying about who God wants you to marry. Um, most of us are meant to be married. And so the question is not if, but more so who and when and how. Um, and to put it very simply, the more obedient you are now, the easier it will be for you in the future. This is wisdom. This is Proverbs applied to life. And I would encourage you to walk in that. If this podcast has given you something to work through, something you need to think through and process, I would encourage you to click the link in the description, inversestream.com slash podcast slash marriage. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor. This is not a professional counselor, simply a Christian who wants to encourage you and walk with you on your journey. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Meg, and I love my Jesus, and I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go and live it.